0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Running the Race podcast. RTR is a ministry of First Baptist Church of Gonzales, Louisiana, and strives to provide a pastoral perspective on living the Christian life in our day. To learn more about FBCG, head over to our website at www.fbcg.net. It's loaded with resources we hope you'll find helpful. Today's episode is on the difficult topic of pornography. Senior Pastor Dr. Jim Law and Minister to Students Alex Ray talk about the permeation of porn in our society, of today's anonymous and easy access to it, its dangers to individuals, families, and the Christian life, along with the practical steps for responding to a battle with lust and the habitual use of pornography.
1: Hi, I'm Pastor Jim Law, and I'm here with Alex Ray. Welcome to Running the Race podcast. We're going to talk in our podcast today on uh, the scourge of pornography. This is not a new topic for Christians, but Alex, we're approaching this from a pastoral perspective because we really believe that one of the great questions Christians have to deal with is what am I going to view online? What am I going to view on my computer, on my phone? And I enter this topic with no sense of excitement. It's, it's not a fun thing to talk about. Mm-hmm. And there's warnings with it as well. Uh, I think of Paul's statement to the Ephesians. Not only did he call them to walk in a manner worthy of their calling, but he said, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, which is what we're wanting to do, the danger here for it's shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. And so, you know, I'm just entering into knowing that this is something uh, that is an ever-present uh, reality for uh, functioning in our culture and just wanting to remind our congregation and those that who, would, who would listen in that our God is omniscient, He's omnipresent, He sees everything. And as we look at how pornography has infiltrated our culture, uh, I'm just reminded of years ago before the internet that this was something that was anonymous um, with the internet now. It, it, it's anonymous. It's affordable. It's uh, accessible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and years prior, you would have to actually go into a store to buy it, and, uh, but not, not now. It's just a click away. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, as you think about this topic, w- with your primary focus in ministry on youth, what are some things that come to your mind pastorally?
2: Yeah, I've noticed, I, I think this is definitely an issue uh, for all age ranges, certainly not just the students, but um, I think a lot of people certainly deal with this. And I think of all the, the vices that those in a church might struggle with, I wonder if this one might be the most um, hidden or uh, discreet, maybe a word for that. It's just uh, because we don't want to talk about it. You know, we I think a lot of us wouldn't have any issues in saying, yeah, I struggle with anger, or yeah. I struggle with um, just saying stuff I shouldn't say, or envy, or pride, or, or yeah. pri- certainly pride. Uh, but when's the last time we ever had somebody just say, yeah, you know, I'm I'm, I'm looking at porn quite a bit, and so I I, I wonder how much of an issue this is. Um, I, I would imagine it's probably. Uh, a big one the big issue. we we just don't talk about it because we just don't want to talk about it because of the shame and the guilt that comes along with it Um, but when you look at the numbers um, that are there it's just research that's shown over the years that it's really it's really quite alarming Um, just to give you a couple uh, stats uh, uh, out of all the searches that someone might do on their phone uh, 20% one in five are for porn Uh, over $3,000 is spent on porn every second on the internet. Um, 28,000 people Mm -hmm. are watching porn every second. 28,000 people. Um, When it comes to young adults, uh, unfortunately, 90% of teens and 96% of young adults are either encouraging, accepting, or neutral when they talk about porn with their friends. So it's not just a matter of them looking at it themselves, but when they talk about it with their peers and Classmates and coworkers and so on and so forth. It's, it's not that big of a deal, and in some cases, they're in a lot of cases they're, they're actually encouraging each other with it. Uh, only forty three percent of teens believe, believe that porn is bad for society. Um, uh, most teenagers uh, and young adults between the ages of thirteen and twenty four believe that not recycling is worse than viewing porn. Mm. Um, unfortunately as well, it's not just for teenagers, but it's also, this is also an issue for those in the ministry, um, which I think again, is another, another area where we don't want to talk about it. Um, but one in five youth pastors and one in seven senior pastors use porn on a regular basis. Mm, And so if we're having these people who are in our congregations that are struggling with it, how in the world can we counsel them if we ourselves are engaging in this very same thing as well? And so it's just a, it's an issue over it's just all across the board. A lot of teenagers uh, are exchanging um, what they call sext, which are uh, pictures that are sending to friends uh, and receiving pictures that are naked pictures either of themselves or of other people. The average age for porn uh, that, are, that excuse me, uh, average age of, of exposure to porn for men is twelve years old. And this is seen on uh, social media sites such as mm. Twitter, uh, formerly known as Twitter, now X, uh, Snapchat, TikTok, it's just a, a, just a huge uh, platform for this stuff. It's, it's everywhere. And so as you mentioned a moment ago, how, how are we to to think about what are we going to set our eyes upon? Not just on our phone, but just across the board, no matter where we go, um, whether it's Porn on our phones or uh, on our computers or even a magazine for, for, the, for, the, dash, for the ones that are still circulating, uh, movies, TV shows. How, how, do we, how do we be thinking about that? And so given that it's around, what would you say is the best um, way to, to start thinking about how should we respond to that issue?
1: Right. I, I, I'm reminded of what happened about eight years ago with the Ashley Madison mm-hmm. uh, debacle. Where the data leak um and it just exposed so much so the internet has provided a cloak, and Ashley Madison's slogan was awful. Life is short, have an affair yep. and a lot of people think, well, life is short, view porn right. and as we look at you know how do we how do we reset this conversation again, we're addressing Christians if there's no desire to to leave it like with any other sin or. Uh, Transgression—we're not going to take it seriously. Um, but for the Christian, um, the glory of Jesus Christ is uppermost in our minds, and he has—he has brought us redemption, and he's the one that we look to for hope in a broken world. And you know, as we look at uh, all right, how do I align my life with biblical goals? I think of Proverbs, which is really a treasure trove of wisdom statements on on, on this issue of. Moral purity um, and at the heart of it is uh is the is our heart uh, mm-hmm. proverbs four twenty three guard your heart for from it flow the springs of life mm-hmm. so the greatest problem we have is coming to terms with the thoughts and desires and attitudes of our heart, and I was thinking about on preparing for this uh talk proverbs five through seven you have this my son conversation where uh, the, the father's saying, my son, beware of these things. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just thinking about the importance of a clear conscience, uh, coming to terms with how the gospel, um, Christ cleanses me that salvation is by grace through faith in him alone. Mm-hmm. And to remember he sees it all. Right. While I may think I'm anonymous, he knows all about it. Right. And his omniscient gaze sees all. So um, if we're not aware of that, I remember um, a pastor friend describing, you know, the internet as bobbing for apples and a bucket of sewage, which is quite a, um, a graphic picture. You know, in Proverbs, it says, my son, you don't realize that this, this will reduce you to a loaf of bread. Is there forgiveness? Of course, there's forgiveness mm-hmm. for all of us in right. Christ alone. But it you know we were created in god's image to bring glory to his name and that's at the heart of of coming out of bondage to pornography
2: right yeah and jesus also speaks about the heart in the, you know the sermon on the mount where he talked about adultery and lust and he says in uh, matthew in, a, in the later part of matthew 5 he says that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent had already committed adultery with her in his heart and so he's going on and actually goes on further to talk about using he, these really extreme language uh, in an effort to fight lust. And he, he goes as far to say that, you know, if it's, if it's your eye that caused you to mm. sin, uh, get rid of it. Yeah. And now um, he's not saying, I don't think, literally, you know, go, go grab a spoon, spoon and go uh, get your eye out, but rather do, do whatever is possible to fight against this awful, awful thing. And I remember having a student uh, some years ago who was really struggling with uh, with viewing porn. And for him, one of the best things for him to do that ended up working well for him was to literally, put when it, when his computer wasn't in use for school or work or whatever it might be, he kept it uh, in a separate room and one of his siblings uh, knew the password to it. And so for him, because it was such an issue for him, um, we, we talked about a number of different ways to try to combat this. Uh, that was a pretty extreme measure. He had to let his sibling in on what was going on with him, which is kind of humbling in and of itself. And he told this sibling, "I need you to change the password and only put it in when I ask for it for to do homework or whatever it happened to be." That's a pretty extreme measure, uh, but that worked well for him. And so I think he was, I think he, in that case, was taking Jesus' word seriously in, in the sense of do whatever it takes to, to fight from it, to, to yeah. fight rather fight, fight this uh, this lust. Right. Um, because it, it takes, it, it's not a passive thing. You it, have it, it to be active in doing it.
1: Yeah, you know, to be honest, uh, to be accountable. Um, and accountability is only as good as we're willing to be honest about it. Right. And so, when, you know, going to that passage where Jesus said, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out, it's possible to be without your right eye and still have lust in your heart. Right. So, it, it is talking about taking drastic measures to come under accountability to be honest with this, not to sweep it aside, not to go with the flow of what mm-hmm. everybody else is doing. Right. It, you know, it may, it, it's going to require, you know, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ and therefore um, the, he sees everything I do.
2: Right. And I think that also underscores the importance of being involved in a church community um, where we have brothers and sisters that are there to, to, to walk alongside with us, to bear our burdens with us, to, you know, the, the one and others that we often so talk about. And it reminds me, I, th- I think it was Bonhoeffer who said that sin desires to have a man alone. And that's always stuck with me. Yeah. Sin desires to have a man alone. And um, just thinking about what is, you know, if someone uses pornography and they right. view it and, you know, before using it, that's all they can think about. And then literally within seconds after they're done, it's it all the guilt and the shame and... And what do they do? They, well, they stay alone, usually. Yeah. It just makes things so much worse, because then they're thinking, oh, I can't. I'm the only one struggling with this, even though statistically that's mm-hmm. not true. But they think, I'm the only one struggling with this. Uh, there's nobody I can go talk to. I'm too ashamed, too much guilt. Certainly yeah. don't want to go to God about this. And yeah. so sin desire to have a man alone. In that moment, that's what you feel like. You feel like right. you're alone.
1: So picture on Sunday morning, and it's been a bad night for whatever reason. I'm going to pull the... The covers over my head and just stay in bed on Sunday. Right. All that I've been involved in this week, how could I even show up? And it's precisely uh, the reason why you need to. Mm-hmm. Because in Christ there's strength to overcome our sins. And I think of wonderful statements in the in the scripture, Psalm 103. He's delivered our our life from destruction, has crowned us with loving kindness and tender mercy. And our our hope is not in our performance. Our hope is in God's grace. Mm -hmm. And so uh, you mentioned the local church, you know, just to put in the mind of our congregation, one of the great temptations when we are struggling with something is, I just want to be alone. I just want to be alone. I just want to get things right. And then I'll start over again. And what happens is we get isolated and we start hearing the wrong things Mm -hmm. and Satan beats the life out of us. And i just see the local church as god's answer to that assassin's plot Mm -hmm. i need to be in the body to to hear things i would not hear otherwise i need to stop listening to myself and i need to begin again in god's grace i I think of paul's statement in first corinthians 9 where he said i buffet my body using boxing imagery there and so he kept disciplining kept training his body and the picture, uh, you know, Paul pictured life as a battle and we would do well to remind ourselves it's not a playground. It's a battleground
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I need to put on armor. I need to engage this battle. I need to be serious about the commitments of my time, my free time. Not only uh, are we faced with a question, when am I going to allow myself to view on my computer and phone, but also how am I going to spend my free time? Right. Because that's that often leads right into you know this unthoughtful reactionary response to yeah. free time and mm-hmm.
2: yeah and we and we think about you know we, it's important that we started with you know what does Scripture say about it because that's what matters it's not necessarily what I think that matters I want to be I want to be standing on the authority of Scripture and Scripture is clear about these issues and you know another that comes to mind is Philippians 4 where paul again inspired by the holy spirit talks about how uh, we're to be focusing on what is pure and what is lovely what is commendable those are the things that we ought to be thinking about everything that anything that's worthy of praise point doesn't fit that at all love doesn't fit that at all and so those are the things we ought to be focusing on focusing on what is beautiful not what is destructive so given that, that's our, that's our starting point, that you know, we want to focus on these things and want to focus on what scripture says about it, because again, that's our authority. Whenever we step away from that, bad things tend to happen. And by tend to happen, I mean always happen. And so what, what would be some of the things that you would say that when we step away from God's design and God's intent for how relationships are ought to be, how we ought to spend our free time, as you mentioned, um, and fill it with good things. When we get away from that and we engage in something as destructive as pornography, what would you say are some things that come from that? Like, what's what's the big deal?
1: So when the the low comes, when the devastation comes afterwards and the Mm -hmm. guilt and the shame and these type of things, you ought to be thankful you have that. Mm. And it ought to lead you to cry out to God for his help and forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And and then to uh, look at saying, I, I need some accountability with this. I need someone to walk with me through this. And that's what we do. Right. You know? And so I think to just continue to go in a spiral downward um, is, is not the answer to any besetting sin that we need to get support and help and counsel to be able to set a path to to obedience. And mm-hmm. again, I just would emphasize, nothing's greater than this, Alex. I don't care what sin we're talking about. Is I must treasure Christ above all. Mm-hmm. I was talking to my good friend, uh, Kyle Jaggers. And he was sharing with me this gripping um, exchange he had with a man who was caught in sexual sin. And he was—he had just come to the end of it. He says, "I'm done. I'm done with Jesus. I'm done with trying to live this life. It's too hard. It's too—it's impossible. I just can't do it." And so, Kyle said, "I'll I'll pray for you." And and then he—he came back and a couple days later and said, "I can't walk away from Christ." Yeah. Uh, And Kyle said, "Here's what I can do with you. I can read the Bible with you, and I can pray for you." and be your friend and that just in simple terms that provides great light we're not talking about silver bullet responses these mm-hmm. um these solutions that have no commitment this to follow christ is a wholehearted proposition mm-hmm. and i must treasure him more than i do my sin and that's the christian life right the rest of our days right
2: yeah, when we think about other reasons why, when we think about why destructive, um, we again start on the authority of Scripture. We we are when we are engaging in the use of porn, the viewing of porn, we're rejecting God's commandment on how we're to conduct ourselves. Again, as you mentioned a, a moment ago, I would understand sex, the, the beauty of what sex is all about, mm. the beauty of the sexual union uh, that Paul uh, beautifully describes in his uh, his letters. Um, also, the other again, when we step away from that bad thing, there's the ripple effect that work out outward. So, what are some other things that happen? Well, again, we're rejecting what Scripture says. Our, our body literally changes. Uh, viewing porn literally rewires the brain. There's been a lot of science that's been done on, on this over the years. Yeah. Uh, you're seeing the physical, the actually physical effects that happen when you view this stuff.
1: And you know, Alex, I, I think it's important to identify the destruct, the destruction that comes from it. Mm-hmm. Um, because um, it's so prevalent that people can develop just a numbness to it. What was once appalling is now, is now mainstream mm-hmm. and so accessible. It ruins lives. It impacts relationships. It's True. habit-forming. It fuels violence. The portrayal of much pornography is that women like to be abused and hurt. Right.
2: That's not the case at all. Yeah, uh, I've read that 88% of scenes and uh, porn, uh, porn films co- commit, contain acts of physical aggression. And 49s, call it 50, half of all scenes con- contain verbal aggression, uh, primarily towards women. And so, you know, in our society that we're, we're talking about wanting to protect women, especially in light of the Me Too movement uh, a couple of years ago, how can we talk about wanting to fight on behalf of women and protect women as we ought to, by the way, scripture clear about that. How can we in one hand say, yes, let's protect women. On the other hand, let's go view this stuff. Objectifying them. is objectifying them and literally harming them.
1: And think of the impact too. It's uh, because pornography is so accessible and uh, is just a besetting problem. You, you know, you, you have couples getting married and you have uh, a young man or we see we're seeing rises in in young women mm-hmm. taking in pornography, and they get married, and their views of sexual intimacy are conditioned by the pornographic scenes that they they take in. That's going to deeply harm um, a healthy and holy view of marital inti- intimacy right. in marriage. Right. Sexual expectations are are what they viewed but that's not reality that's not real right
2: yeah but a number of stu- a number of stories about students and teenagers in prim- uh, particular who they learn about sex or what they what they learn what they think they know about sex uh solely from porn. yeah and so they they spend their entire all their childhood years could again the average age for exposure is, i think uh, 12 oh, right um and so they're 12 years old which is Fifth or sixth grade, uh, and they're learning about this, and they spend the next six, seven, eight years engaged in this, in this whole. Yeah. Yeah. And then they meet, and they meet somebody, and then what they expect is something entirely different than what, than what the reality is. Yes. And it totally skews right. their understanding. My
1: marriage isn't like what I've been viewing. Right. And um, it's just is a it's a dissonance that's uh, profound. So, what would you say, Alex, if um, someone came up to you and said, uh, you know, they're addicted to pornography? What would be your approach to that?
2: Well, I think there's a couple of different ways to um, to discuss that. I'm I I'm reminded of uh, you know there's a number of women who have since left the porn industry for a number of reasons, and some of them have come out and been very vocal about their time there. Um, and I remember reading one who she she was saying how her this was her message to married men in particular this is this is her words she says lust is something that's never going to be satisfied it's a trap that makes you resent your wife my job was to make you hate your wife mm. that's an incredible incredibly sad statement and she goes on to say you're going to lose everything my job was to make you hate your wife, and you're going to lose everything because of, the, of this idea of love. So, I, think, I think I think of the
1: statement of Proverbs too, where he, in Proverbs seven, he doesn't realize it's going to cost him his life. Right, right. And and
2: this woman saying that this, that, that was literally her goal when she was uh, when she was in the in the industry. And so when it comes to some, when someone who says they're addicted, I think there's a, uh, again a couple. I would want to take those words seriously. What that woman said uh when it comes to teenagers and parents i think it would, yeah i think it would behoove every parent who whose child had a smartphone to have a real conversation about the use of that smartphone right uh what are you using it for um who are you talking to uh the parent paying for it uh if, if they're at their prerogative either way but especially if they're paying for it then say hey listen i'm paying for it we're we're gonna have the conversation um, I, I also think it would be very wise for a parent to be able to see everything that goes on in that child's phone. And there's a number of different apps where you can see everything that goes on, on the child's phone. I think there's other practical measures that you can take. Uh, like for example, that I don't see any reason why a teenager needs to have a phone in their room, especially at night. Mm-hmm. And I've had conversations with parents over the years where this is, a, this is actually something they did. And they said, listen, we don't allow a child to have their, they can have a phone, but it stays in the living room. More days mm-hmm. in the family room or whatever happened to be, uh, but it doesn't go in their phone. Uh, excuse me, in their room, and especially not at night. Um, and so, if they need an alarm clock, uh, they have wonderful, time-tested analog clocks that are still yeah, being sold right. on Amazon <laughs> that you can that you can sell or you can buy. Excuse me. And so, if someone uh, struggling with it, uh, I've never forgot. I heard this years ago from John Piper. Oh, so first, again, those are the practical measures that I think parent can, parents or teenagers can take. When it comes to um, anybody, anybody who said, hey, I'm, I'm really struggling here. I remember John Piper talking about, uh, he said, for those who really believe that they're addicted, he doesn't discount that. But he basically he said, let's imagine you're watching porn one night and you're just completely tuned in. Nothing else matters in the world. And let's imagine that there's a terrorist, right, that showed up in your room with a knife around your mother or your wife's throat. And the terrorist says, stop looking at that or I'm going to kill this woman. Nobody in their right mind would say, oh, I can't stop looking now. Because in that moment, you love your wife or your mother more. Mm -hmm. And so Piper's point in that, what I took away from that, was ultimately you do what you love. And so you love your mother more, you love your wife more. You may think that you love the stuff, that you're addicted, but ultimately we need to reorient our love to say, well, no, we love Jesus more. Yes, I might be struggling with this. I might be struggling with lust, but ultimately I love mm-hmm. Jesus more.
1: And because I love him more, it's going to impact um, the the people in our lives right. and how we respond to these things. I, I think something else too pastorally, Alex, is um, Paul David Tripp, we've appreciated so much his help and ministry. He said, our culture tends to view personal change as something that requires the help of a a professional. But the Bible has a much fuller and more hopeful perspective. The Bible teaches that personal transformation takes place as our hearts are changed and our minds are renewed by the Holy Spirit. And the two instruments that the Holy Spirit uses are the Word of God and the people of God. And so coming back to... These foundational resources this that's where the power for change happens, and it's um it's deep and meaningful as we battle with sin.
2: what would you say then, um you know, kind of landing the plane here for those who struggle with porn and they hate the fact they're using it, they are using it, but they but they don't like that they're using it um they struggle with it. They're not, they're not, they're the group that are saying, I know this is wrong, but I'm really battling right now. Um, What would you say to someone who says that?
1: I I think of Martin Luther's um, statement that our conscience needs to be trained by the word of God and that the Bible teaches us to flee sexual immorality for a reason. Mm -hmm. And that we come under the authority of the word and allow that to be a major intake in our life. Reading it, studying it, hearing it, applying it, and that comes through you know growth in a in a local church, um, which is one of the primary purposes we exist is mm-hmm. to feed the flock and so in time, change happens sometimes we want this just add water and everything's going to be fine. just put a quarter in the slot and we're going to be delivered but but change is a is a process that happens over time and Sometimes our sanctification is painfully slow. Mm-hmm. So in thinking about our conscience needing to be trained, I, I was reminded of Ray Ortland and we want to promote his his book, The Death of Porn, as a resource for this podcast. He tells about a an Anglican bishop uh who preached in England a few years ago. And he told the story of a man who was experienced the, the renewing of, of Christ's grace in his life. He shared, I could tell you a case of a man back home 45 years ago, a pagan, illiterate, who knew nothing about Christ. Then he was brought uh, by grace through the preaching of the Christians into the presence of Jesus and him crucified. And that man was so changed that within a month when impure thoughts came into his heart, he literally went outside from a a meeting and vomited. Mm. You know, what sensitivity? A man steeped in paganism with no Bible training, no background, and now, in light of the cross, this man is taken, recreated, renewed, and his conscience is so clean that when impure thoughts come, he even went and physically vomited. A sensitivity had been created. The Holy Spirit had renewed the personality. In, in in this case, so your vomit doesn't wash away your sins. Only the blood of Jesus Christ can do that. But it won't it won't do any harm at all to get sickened over our sins. Right. And Jesus said, "Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted." And that is a mourning over our spiritual state, our poverty, and our need for His grace in our life. Apart from that, change doesn't come. Mm-hmm. But that is God's
0: grace to us through Christ alone. Thanks again for listening to another episode of Running the Race podcast. To find out more information about our church and our ministry, or for more episodes, be sure to visit our website, www.fbcg.net. If you're listening on iTunes or Google podcast, positive review would really help us out a lot. Thanks for taking the time to do that. If you found the podcast to be interesting and helpful, recommending it to a friend or family member that you think would benefit from listening would be a great thing. We look forward to seeing you again next time. Once again, thanks, God bless, and goodbye for now.